1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. I'm Molly. Molly, I think that I can speak for both of us when I say that we love the show 30 Rock. That's true. It's written and starred in by our one of our faves, Tina Fey. Yes. Alec Baldwin. And there was a recent episode that starred another favorite of ours, Mr. James Franco. True. Lately of general hospital fame. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, but uh, James Franco plays himself in this episode of 30 Rock, and he has a secret relationship with a body pillow that depicts a Japanese manga or anime character named Kimikoton. Yes. He is in love with a 2D
2: character. Right. So he needs to hide this relationship with his body pillow, with a fake relationship with a real woman, to fool the paparazzi who are following him around. Mm-hmm. And hilarity ensues, as it normally does on 30 Rock. And uh, that, I think, was the mainstream introduction of something called moe.
1: Yes, moe is a term for not necessarily someone who falls in love with a body pillow, but it's more this idea of forming some kind of attachment or relationship with an anime character and usually these anime characters are busty yet somehow prepubescent mm-hmm. doe-eyed girls
2: very innocent very naive not too not too world savvy that yeah. that kind of excludes women from being a moe um object of desire
1: and this is also a subset of something called otaku culture, which is the obsessive fandom that, uh, you know, comes up with anime and manga and video games, especially in Japan over the last decade.
2: Right. So you see articles every now and then. In fact, um last week of the week we're recording this, so it'll be a few weeks past by the time you hear this, a man married his body pillow. And every now and then you see these sort of strange stories that'll come out of Japan like a... A fellow marries a video game character mm-hmm. and there are pictures of him standing around with his game boy and the woman holding I mean the woman's on the game boy and he's kind of holding the game boy and smiling at her and you know they drive around and he pulls out the the device and takes a picture and then they get back on the car and he they introduces drive else. it to his parents. How do you think that went Kristen? Uh, you know I really can't predict it I don't
1: know his parents. I think if I were his parents, you know, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would react to my son marrying a video game device. But I hope that I would be as loving and accepting as, as possible.
2: Well, that's good. And now we're going to examine whether the whole country, the country as a whole of Japan, is being very accepting of this new sort of romance that's blooming amidst other men. Because, you know what, Kristen? Kristen? There's so much love between video game characters and body pillows that condom sales are dropping. Condom sales
1: are dropping. And it's not just because men are choosing to take home body pillows instead of women. This is actually part of sort of a larger cultural trend that I think has been going on really since the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and for instance, this is a USA Today article from 2004, so it's a little bit dated. But just to give you an idea of when this condom issue started, they said in a 2001 survey, condom maker Durex found that Japan ranked dead last among 28 countries in the frequency of sex and that condom shipments were down 40% since 1993. Now that might have to do with Japan legalizing birth control pills in
2: 1999. But, but still, <laughs> still they're pretty low. Yeah. So let's let's examine some of the reasons why the sales might be down. And let's return to this idea of 2D love as writer Lisa Katayama terms it in a uh, New York Times article. And it's a great uh, New York Times article it's called Love in 2D and it it really just goes through some of the kinds of people that this culture attracts.
1: The profile begins by following a man named Nissan who has fallen in love, he says, with a character named Nemutan. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm saying all this correctly. Um and it's basically an x-rated version of a PC video game called DeCapo. And he first encountered His lady Nemu, as he likes to call her, his little nickname for her at a comic convention. He saw her. It was love at first sight. You know, now he takes, uh, this body pillow depicting Nemu out with him to, to dinner and outings and for, for walks. And of course, you know, probably, they probably cuddle a lot because. A soft body pillow. Well, he
2: keeps an extra one. I uh, was happy to hear at his at his office, so that if he has to work late and just sleep at the office, he can pull out work Nemu, and cuddle up with her. Now, I should probably mention this guy's thirty seven, and uh, Nissan is not his real name. in the In the video game, the girl calls her uh, big brother Nissan, mm-hmm. and so that's he sort of adopted the name because it was part of the. Mimu world, I guess. Now, before Nissan started dating
1: this video game character, he was dating a lady, IRL, if you will, in real life. In real life? Yes. Um, who ended up breaking up with him and broke his heart, and he was just devastated from the relationship, and he really wasn't that interested in having to go through all of that heartache again especially once he met Nemu, who isn't going to judge him, Mm -hmm. you know, she's going to be there with him anytime that he needs her. So why not just carry this body pillow around? Because he says that he's finding just as much fulfillment with her. And, um, The article points out that people who have studied this Moe phenomenon attribute the rise of 2D love in Japan to young men's difficulty in navigating modern romantic life. Because as we're going to talk about more in this podcast, the relationships between men and women in Japan have changed drastically in the past decade.
2: So the article makes the point that uh, there are men like Nissan who totally opt out of any sort of real life love because they want to just pursue 2D love. And because the relationships between men and women are changing so much, there's not as much dating among young people. Uh, in The New York Times, they estimate that more than a quarter of unmarried men and women between the ages of 30 and 34 are virgins. And 50 percent of men and women in Japan say they are not going out with anybody. So very little dating. And uh, interestingly, the New York Times also points out that one of the biggest bestsellers in Japan was a book called Health and Physical Education for for Over 30, which was this guidebook for older people who... Um, and it was all illustrated with, with uh, anime characters. It was a guide to how to date and uh, seduce a lady and get married when you're over 30 and only can relate to your video game characters.
1: Yeah, because there has been an overall... Decline in the marriage rate in Japan, a lot of women especially are choosing to delay marriage. And this has kind of had a ripple effect of men sort of retreating back from their dating lives as well. And going back to that USA Today article, it points out that weddings dropped in 2003 for the second straight year and that 54% of Japanese women in their late 20s are single, up from only 30.6% in 1985. And that has also had the result of a drastic drop in the birth rate in Japan. Mm -hmm. And I saw, you know, a collection of columns questioning whether or not Japan is, you know, on the verge of basically destroying itself because the population, the existing population is aging so rapidly, but there aren't enough young people, there aren't enough babies being born essentially to take their place. And since they also have Uh, pretty high life expectancies. You have these older unmarried people who are choosing to stay at home, and they're going to be caring for their aging parents. They're not getting married, and what's going to happen when you need a new generation of employees
2: they're not there? Right. To supply pensions, for one thing. Yeah. So, Kristen, I just want to go over a few more details from this New York Times article before we go on to some of the other issues that are happening in Japan. Um... I was kind of struck by another guy who was profiled in the article who has many, many pillows. And one of his favorites is one uh, that is a naked girl, flushed cheeks, prepubescent nipples hidden by her forearms and uh, her underwear is down around her ankles. But where her vagina would be, there's a, like a translucent pixelated square. Hmm. So, I mean, I just I don't think that we should make any sort of connection that it's like a sex doll. Yeah, is what I'm trying to get at with that description. And people have worried because these girls are so prepubescent. Is it troubling? I mean, will there be, you know, people acting on real life impulses and you know picking up very young girls and having real relationships with them? And it doesn't seem to be that. It just really seems to be that it's much easier to get along with someone who can't talk back. (laughs) Well, it's not entirely surprising that you
1: think that these guys might not be. Doing anything physically to these pillows, because there have also been reports from Japanese women who are trying to date these guys, especially, you know, a little bit older, who they might go on an out of town trip or they stay over at the house and they just fall asleep like the guys don't make any moves. Separate rooms. Separate rooms. Yeah, they're not, they're not having sex. Once again, low, lowest condom sales, you know, among these 28 countries. It seems like not only are some of these men retreating from real relationships, but they're retreating from just sex in general. And this USA Today article also points out that as many as a million young men, this is mostly teenagers, but uh, it says that they suffer from something known as hikikomoro, which is a condition in which they seclude themselves up in their room for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. They kind of sequester themselves away. But then once we get to the older subsets, I think it might be a good time to bring up something a little newer that sociologists, Japanese sociologists, are turning terming, terming herbivores, herbivores and carnivores.
2: Mm -hmm. And which would you rather be, Kristen? Do you think this just refers to what they eat for dinner? Are they just vegetarians and meat eaters? No. No, indeed no. This more
1: has to do with the type of lifestyle that Japanese men are choosing. And and the sociologists are saying that around 60% of today's men, between 20 and 34 in Japan, are herbivores meaning they and this is according to an article in the japan times saying that they are not as competitively minded about their jobs as men in older generations they're more fashion conscious and body conscious they're very chummy with their mothers and like to go shopping very often and they're not interested in dating girls having relationships or even having sex
2: so Kristen, let's talk for a minute about some reasons why they think there's a rise in these literally translated grass eating boys so, so Shuko Danshi, a.k.a. herbivores. Yes. Um, One thing that kind of stuck out to me was a sentence in an article that said, um, men of a certain generation in Japan today have never known what it was like to live in a good economy. Mm-hmm. And so thus it's much harder for them to strike out on their own, get their own place, afford to take a woman out. And apparently these Japanese women expect a lot because they also, for the first time, have some disposable income of their own. Right, because while
1: we have this wave of men who are kind of pulling back from society, in a way, we also have on the flip side of that women who are really making their first big strides in Japanese society because it wasn't until the late 80s that the Japanese government instituted equal employment laws. And so women finally were able to start getting a leg up in the office.
2: But in the early 1990s, the Japanese economy has a lot of problems. So right now, there's just a lot of people who the women have money for the first time, the men aren't being able to find success the way their fathers did. Mm-hmm. And it's really affecting gender roles. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Japan used to have these very traditional gender roles. And one article points out that the way some Japanese men would propose would be, I want you to make me miso suit for the rest of my life. And these women are like, what? No,
1: thanks. Yes.
2: Traditionally, women stayed home, took care of the house, raised children, and now they want to go out in the workforce and buy handbags. Sound familiar? Why, yes, it does, Molly. It sounds a lot like something we've talked
1: about here, mom stuff many a time, called second wave feminism. And this was over in the United States when we had women in the 60s and 70s really starting to enter into the workforce. We have our own equal equal employment laws on the books. Women are gaining a leg up, getting out of the house. Gender roles are starting to shift a little bit. And the thing that I question about uh, you know, we, we, when we see these trends with these Japanese men who are supposedly, you know, I've seen it in some newspaper columns calling them girly men. You know, they're so soft. And then you have these Japanese women who are, you know, in the in the workforce and have all these high standards for men that they really can't attain right now. It made me wonder what would happen if we wouldn't see a similar kind of cultural shift in the United States if second wave feminism were happening now, or in the past decade, than if it had been going on in the 60s and 70s, especially because I mean, if you think of Japan, it's so technologically advanced. Like, think about all of the all of those changes that are going on, coupled with this very intense social change going on as well. I mean, I I don't think it's that surprising that we have all of these kind of odd trends.
2: Right. I mean, I think if the internet had been around when second wave feminism was going on, then. Men probably would have discovered body pillows here, too. Yeah. I mean, if your main form of entertainment is all this anime, comic book stuff, then, you know, and that's, there are these basically prebubescent, budding, innocent women being held up as part of your your main form of, you know, entertainment and consumption, then that contrasts so vividly with what they're experiencing in the real 3D world. I think there's, you know, an understandable reason why they would retreat and want the simpler times. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily good for the women because they're going to be single and they got no one to spend money on condoms for. But, you know, it's I don't want to, you know, condone it, but it's understandable, I think.
1: It's understandable. And it's not, you know, we say it's not really good for the women because you're now seeing trend stories about these single Japanese women who are desperate to find some kind of husband, some man who wants to take them out on a date. But at the same time, it can't be necessarily healthy in the long run for Japanese men as well. Not to say that you go over to Japan and you're going to see just hordes of men carrying around body pillows. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, pretty kind of media happy trend, I think, because it's, it's kind of strange in our, in our Western eyes to talk about. Uh, but, but I, if the best selling book is an
2: anime guide to marriage. That's true. That's not
1: great. That is true. But I think that, um, when we're sorting out all of this stuff about herbivores versus carnivores, um, because a lot of the news coverage depicts these men as, quote-unquote, feminine. You know, like there have been trend pieces about, oh, these these men are now buying bras, which actually, if you look at the actual trend, it's like a couple thousand bras have been sold to these men.
2: But if you Google Japanese men bras, you'll see a, a thousand stuff, stories. Because right. they'll all use the same photo and they'll all be like, oh my goodness, OMG, to use an internet term. These men are wearing bras. And there was also a survey from Toto International, the toilet
1: manufacturer, <laughs> that claimed that a third of Japanese men urinate sitting down. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! You know, it's the ultimate sign of masculinity destroyed. Right. But then that gets into another, you know, whole another conversation about like well, what does masculinity mean today anyway? Mm -hmm. And should we be calling these, you know, and what does femininity mean in a day of supposedly, you know, equal employment, equal opportunity? Is that really a valid judgment to make? And coming back to that point about the economy, Molly, that you made a little while ago, I think that Slate did a really good job of explaining this herbivore versus carnivore thing that's going on in terms of, this, uh, this downshift in the economy that has now had a ripple effect into men's lifestyle choices. Because it talks about how in the eyes of these guys who might be termed herbivores, they're not just trying to become, you know, extreme metrosexuals or whatever you want to call it. It's more, they perceive it as more not wanting to live up to traditional social expectations in their relationships with women, their jobs, or anything else. They don't feel like they have to ascribe to this traditional idea of masculinity and now have a little bit more room to,
2: I don't know, I guess, express themselves more. And I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. And I do think there's something to be said for, I don't know, the confidence that it would take, at least for, I think, most people here that are thinking about this, to go out in public with a body pillow. Mm -hmm. You know, to some extent, I wonder if it's better to be out in public With something weird relationship wise than doing it behind closed doors, which kind of makes it even more kind of outside the norm and perhaps a dangerous perversion.
1: But then, yeah, I mean, I think you also too have to um, in terms of relationships, you do have to question whether or not, uh, you know, we're creating such an attachment to things on the Internet and things in anime or manga culture that aren't real. You know, if we're kind of the whole idea, concept of romance and love is really becoming blurred and whether Mm -hmm. or not that's going to have positive repercussions or not. Mm -hmm. Food for thought. Because at some point, you know, if you want to keep up a species, you do have to reproduce in some way. Right. But I do think no matter what, yeah, I think it does provides some interesting food for thought for questioning what exactly are our gender ideals today, mm-hmm. how technology impacts that, and maybe how technology is going to
2: possibly impact
1: our population
2: as a whole. Very interesting questions, Kristen. Yes. So if you have things to say about any of those conversation topics that Kristen very helpfully laid out in bullet point format. Email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Because the conversation is endless here. We haven't solved it in this country. What will Japan do with their gender problems?
1: And speaking of emails, Molly, why don't we read a couple?
2: Okay. So we're going to start with one from Kel, who writes, I'm the artist and writer of a webcomic called Sorcery 101, which is located at www.sorcery101.net. I recently found your podcast while looking for podcasts to listen to while I draw. One point you mentioned in your episode, Chicklet caught my attention. During the discussion, you mentioned graphic novels being used to get boys to read more and letting them know that comics counts as reading. I wanted to point out that this tactic should also be used for girls. With the rise of manga and web comics, more and more girls are reading comics. Manga, because Japan, has a vast collection of titles specifically targeting girls. Then webcomics, because since it's fairly easy to start a webcomic, you're getting more variety than traditional mainstream comics. So you're seeing more comics starting up by female car- creators either consciously or unconsciously target them more. A good example would be girlswithslingshots.com and, of course, my own comic. Then you have publishers branching out to reach its demographic. They've been kind of ignoring for a long time, so you get some titles like Persepolis. And Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. So, kind of a relevant email to read here at the end yeah. of this one, but I wanted to give a big uh, thumbs up to Sorcery 101 and our very talented listener, Kel. All
1: right, well, I've got one here from Sunny, and this is in response to our recent podcast about racial discrimination in ballet and dance. And she says, after listening to your podcast, I was surprised that you didn't mention Maria Tallchief. Not only is she one of the most famous American dancers, she is also part of the Osagi Nation. When she started her career in the early 1940s, the ballet world was almost unexceptionally white. She's a true pioneer with a career spanning decades, first with the influential Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, then as the New York City Ballet's first prima ballerina, and later as founder of the Chicago City Ballet. Her collaboration with George Balanchine, who was her husband for a time, made her name synonymous with some of the most well-known of Balanchine's choreography from The Firebird, Swan Lake, and The Nutcracker. As a ballet dancer and a groundbreaking role model, Maria Tal Chief should be
2: at the top of the list. So thanks for letting us know, Sonny. Very cool. All right, if you've got something to say, our email address is momstuff@howstuffworks.com. During the week, Krista and I are blogging our little heads off at a blog called How To Stuff. And if you'd like to learn more about how to do things, Japanese culture, everything under the sun, then head on over to howstuffworks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring.
1: To start planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect.
0: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99.